Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Have you been thinking about sprucing up your yard this spring but not sure where to start? Look for Proven Winners Shrubs at your local garden center. They're the ones in the white containers. Evergreens, roses, hydrangeas, and more all trialed and tested to ensure your success. Whether you're planting for the first time or the 31st, you can count on the plants in the white containers to make you look like a pro. Proven Winners Color Choice Shrubs. Good evening, White Sox fans. I know, not good morning, good evening, kind of a change of pace. My name's Josh Nelson, and this is not a White Sox wake-up call, but instead it's a special edition Sox Machine podcast on Wednesday night, December 11th, during the winter meetings. The reason why this podcast is being released in the evening instead of the morning is because there's a lot of activity right now that are going that's going on during the winter meetings. A lot of pitchers are being signed, especially Tier 3. We're seeing some relievers now come off the board. And I had a very good conversation with our best friend of the show, Dan Zaborski of Fangraphs.com, to discuss some of the starting pitching options for the Chicago White Sox. And unfortunately, one of those Tier 3 options that we have been speaking about during the offseason was Tanner Rourke. Tanner Rourke signed a two-year, $24 million contract with the Toronto Blue Jays, so that option is not available. We've seen Michael Waka sign a deal with the New York Mets. The Tier 3 guys are quickly coming off the board here. So instead of waiting in the morning and cutting half of that interview because some of the things we talked about came to fruition or they were settled and Player signed with other teams other than the White Sox. I just decided that let's go ahead and release it now. And I'm sure there'll be something for me to talk about before I leave San Diego and the winter meetings. So here's the interview. Joining us now is Dan Zaborski. As we wind down the winter meetings, the Chicago White Sox still have some moves to be made, in particular, adding two more starting pitchers. Which options left are best for the Chicago White Sox in 2020 and beyond? And what will be the impact of Nomar Mazzara on the White Sox projections for the 2020 season? 
Well, joining me to discuss is our best friend of the podcast from Fangraphs.com. It's Dan Zaborski. And hello, Dan. Thanks for joining the show again. Hey, Josh. It's always fun. Uh, how are you doing in, in San Diego? You're probably in a, in a more pleasant environment than I am. It's 31 right now and kind of <laughs> cloudy. So I guess it's warmer than 31 there because I'm not there. Yeah, it's uh, it's over 60 degrees right now in San That'd Diego. That would be nice. And uh, I've been dealing with a cold all week. <laughs> So I haven't exactly gotten a chance to enjoy the warm weather, uh, but it is warm in San Diego. And hopefully I can bring some warm weather to the Midwest and to the East Coast. So maybe you'll see 40 next week. Yeah, I, I, I came, when I came back from the winter meetings last year, I, I was had such a head cold. The plane ride was excruciating. I, I actually stopped hearing when, when, you know, the part when your ears pop when you're in the plane. I had so much stuff in my head that I just kind of went deaf. But nobody around me was panicking, so I assume that the plane wasn't off. <laughs> that's that's good. You never want the, the plane to be off the runway at any time. Um, but, yeah, so you tweeted out the upcoming White Sox 2020s dips projections, which you could read. Well, you could follow Dan, of course, and see them on Twitter. But you can go to Fangraphs.com right now and see the early White Sox 2020s dips projections. And you had to make an update because the White Sox traded for outfielder Nomar Mazzara. Starting there, what do you think about the move of the White Sox trading for Mazzara? It's, I would say, meh. It, it feels very meh. It's not the worst idea in the world. He does conceivably have power upside. But uh, I said it kind of to, to repeat myself on what I said on Twitter is I'm really hoping that Nomar Mazzara has his huge breakout season. But I wouldn't want the, to be the GM whose reputation partially rested on Mazzara actually having his breakout season. Uh, the, the Rangers have tried a lot with him. They've been extremely patient with him. Uh, but he just hasn't developed. He's even – you could argue he's backslid a bit. Uh, it seems like everybody was was getting the advantage of the juicy baseball last year and or this year or however you want to look at it relatively. And, and he, didn't really see, he didn't see a spike in home runs. So – yeah. <laughs> so what does Zips have to say? What's the early Zips projections for Nomar Mazzara in 2020? Well, Zips for a long time saw some upside Mazzara, but as he's been in the major so long and he hasn't really shown much in the way of development, either the straight-up statistics, the peripheral stats, the advanced stats, so it pretty much has him about where he's been, which is somewhere around a one-win player, OPS around 750, I mean, he hits better than Adam Engel, which is something, I guess, because essentially he's replacing Engel because Louis Robert gets the gets the playing time uh, in, in in center, presumably. Uh, but you know, we'll see. It's I mean, it's not the worst idea ever. There's worse ideas, and I'm sure the Rockies will find two or three before the winter's over. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Uh campaign you got going on twitter right now is the colorado rockies are entertaining the idea of trading nolan arenado after signing a mega contract with them yeah that that whole thing's funny the way they act the way they gave him the opt-out clause that he never asked for and they just offered it to him just oh sure like you remember that time that you bought a car and you had come to a deal with the with the car salesman salesman he said you know what here's another three thousand dollars you remember the time you did that? You probably shouldn't because that's pretty much what the Rockies did. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens in Denver. 
with the Rockies preparing for 2020. But on the starting pitching front, this is the next step then for the Chicago White Sox this offseason. They have to address this need. And with Garrett Cole signing with the New York Yankees and Steven Strasburg staying in Washington and Zach Wheeler opting to take Philadelphia's money over the White Sox, the top three starting pitching options in this free agency have been taken a couple weeks before Christmas, which in itself is a pretty big surprise. And again, Rick Hahn did say after the season, he needed to add not one, but two starting pitchers. So with the pitchers remaining as we speak right now on Wednesday, December 11th, Dan, who do you think would be the best choices for the White Sox to address their starting rotation? Yeah, it's a little, it's it's gotten a lot trickier, as you said, having the actual good uh, free agent pictures mostly off the market at this point. Uh, at least a silver lining is at least the White Sox didn't outbid the Yankees and lose. So that's, that's <laughs> a plus at least they're not, cause I'm pretty sure that they're not going to come and say, Oh, well we offered 380 million. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Uh, and I'm sure everyone listening to this is pretty sure they didn't offer that unless, you know, the money was deferred until like 2200 or something. Which case that be that, <laughs> if you could do that, I mean that's kind of what the Orioles did with Chris Davis. Uh he gets paid like until like two thousand thirty nine, but no interest on the loan. So if you could if you can swing that, it's a good deal. Uh but I'm kind of avoiding the question. I think Ryu is probably the most interesting of the pictures left. Uh I know a lot of people like Bumgarner and at Fangrass, I believe we had Bumgarner ranked above Wheeler. Uh I disagreed with that. I think Wheeler is far more interesting than Bumgarner. Uh Bumgarner, a lot of his reputation rides on the playoffs, and that's not really a predictive thing. Uh, he's not really the picture he used to be. I think Ryu is a much better fit for the White Sox. Uh, the question is, can the White Sox sign Ryu? Because he's going to have plenty of you know other Southern California suitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's tough because once you get past the desirable starting pitching, I mean, you're pretty much down to the left. There was very quick. There's not a lot of you know mid-tier pitching. Uh, some of that already went off the market, like you know Kyle Gibson, uh, Jake Odorizzi taking the the qualifying offer. Uh, so if they don't get Ryu or even Bumgarner, who I'm not crazy about, but he's still you know one of the better pitchers available, then the options get a lot worse, and then it's hard to see because like imagine that Ryu and Bumgarner are off the market, then you're looking at where the best candidates are: Keiko, who's fine. Like Rick Por- Rick Porcello, Mar- Mar- Martin Perez, Wade Miley, Homer Bailey. Can't believe I'm saying that. Tanner Rourke, maybe Tanner Rourke, because I mean at least he can eat innings. But uh, the, the White Sox do need two pitchers, I think. Going to Garrett Cole for a moment with him signing with the Yankees because this is such a monster deal. Nine years, three hundred twenty-four million dollars. That Yankees team, in my opinion, was already a 100-plus win roster, Dan. I have to think the Yankees are now the clear favorite to win the World Series in 2020, right? I, I think so, uh, but don't don't bet on them at 13-4, to 4, which is what the odds are. That's still a pretty bad deal. Okay. I would, yeah, just in case anyone's going to go gambling, that's, you never want to take odds that, that low or that good. But, yeah, I, I think that they are the best team in baseball right now coming into the off season. It, it would have, I would have still said Houston, but I mean, from a roster standpoint, it's like Houston just traded Garrett Cole to the Yankees for nothing, which does, you know, affect the roster. Obviously it wasn't actually a trade, but just from a roster construction standpoint, 
the Yankees have a Cole and the Astros do not. Uh, I know that they were, they sort of kind of got back into the bidding at the last minute, talked about, you know, trading Correa to make payroll room for Cole. But the Yankees really, really wanted Cole, and they seemed determined to outbid anybody for him. What would Zips had offered to Garrett Cole? Zips would have offered nine years, $302 million. So we talked about free agency. Back to the White Sox. I want to float this idea to you because it is something I've heard in the hotel lobby at the winter meetings. Boston wanting to trade David Price. If the Red Sox were to say, Dan eat $30 million of Price's salary, dropping him to three-year, $66 million commitment for any team that would trade for him, would that be a better addition for the White Sox than signing Ryu, Keuchel, or Bumgarner? I don't know. It's hard to say. I actually think I prefer, like if you said, okay, you can have David Price at 366 or you can have Ryu at 366. I'd rather have Ryu at 366 than Price. I mean, you look at Price, and he's not the picture he used to be. Uh, he had, you know, half of an A season in 2017. Uh, he's, you know, qualified for the uh, the pitching title three times or twice in five years. He's he's not really an ace right now. He's not the picture he was, uh, you know, from from 2015, 2016, around there. Uh, so the thing is to get Price at 366. You can't just sign him at 366. You have to give the Red Sox something to, you know, encourage mm-hmm. them to trade him at 366. And I much rather have Rio at 366. I think I'd rather have Bumgarner at 366 than make the trade for Price. Uh, so I think that the Red Sox are going to have trouble moving Price because I don't think his reputation around baseball anymore is that of a crazy ace pitcher. He's a very, very good pitcher who has tremendous upside, but he's also a pitcher who's missed a lot of time. And if you're going to, you know, spend $20 million on a guy like that, you don't also want to give prospects on top of it. And I, I think that uh, – I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard. This this market's a little weird. Yeah, because Bumgarner wants five years, 100 million dollars So if you were Rick Hahn, Dan – who would you rather prefer? Trading for David Price to get three years, $66 million. Let's say all the White Sox have to give up is like Blake Rutherford oh, well. in order to make that deal happen. Or would you want want the White Sox to sign Bumgarner for five years, $100 million? Well, if we're giving up Rutherford, I mean, that, that's kind of different. It, it depends on who you hear, who you're talking about them giving up. Uh, when, we, when we say prospects, of course, that isn't a, uh, a binary thing. If... I, I, I'd be very comfortable giving up Rutherford. I I don't think he really has as much upside as a lot of people do. Uh, but as long as you know you're not picking up you know like Kopech or something, I, I think. Oh right. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't know who we were talking about. The problem is who will the Red Sox take, and that's a little tricky. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're in a position where the owner is going to eat money, lose price, and take a relatively light prospect in return. Uh, I think they're going to want a top 100 prospect, and I don't think I'd do that. Man, if they want a top 100 prospect, Dan, I just don't see them moving David Price. And then I don't know how they get below their budgetary goal for the 2020 season. They might not. I mean, goals aren't – I don't know if it's – I don't know. They've said they want to. I don't know how necessary they feel it is. Of course, it's not really necessary. That's kind of just – you know, baseball has a salary cap, even though we don't want to say it. Uh, 
or they won't right. want to say it. I say it plenty. Uh, I, I, it, it's very hard to gauge the market right now because you don't see a lot of appetite for picking up contracts. So I, I, I'm just, I, I, I guess I, all I have to say is I don't know. I don't know mm. if the Red Sox would let him go that relatively cheaply for them in, in their eyes. So if the White Sox in a dream, dream scenario were to get Hinjin Ryu and then maybe add Tanner Wark, how do you like their odds in the American League Central if they were able to add those two starting pitchers? Well, the good thing is is they're, they would pretty much be replacing uh, replacement-level talent. Mm-hmm. They're not replacing, you know, two-win guys with three wins. Uh, right now, before the trades, I'd probably put them somewhere between like 78 and 82 wins. Uh, I know if you read the Zips depth chart, it looks more like 76 wins, but the team has more upside than downside given the, some of the players on the team. I'd put them at 78 to 82. You, you add Ryu, you add, uh, let's say Tanner Rourke for two wins over who, who he can pretty much do that with his eyes closed probably. Then I think you're talking about like an 81 to 86 win team. Hmm. That gets them close enough that things can happen. I mean, there's so much uncertainty when predicting the future that when you predict a team to win, say, 83 or 84 games, you're implicitly giving them a very good chance of making the playoffs because even with perfect knowledge, you still expect 20% of teams to to uh, beat your projection by at least six wins, and you, you don't have perfect knowledge. So I, I do think that with a couple of pictures like, like we're talking about, it doesn't necessarily have to be Ryu and Rourke. It could be Ryu and Alex Wood, and he says health, he stays healthier, or a number of you know permutations. Uh, I, I think it does put the White Sox at that point at the edge of the wild card race. It doesn't make them a favorite, but it makes them closer than they are. It makes them very, very interesting in 2020. I still personally think the way the team is now, they're looking more like a 2021 contender. Mm-hmm. When you have some of these guys healthy, when you have Kopech with a, hopefully with a full season of health under his belt, when you have Dane Dunning, when you have uh, Rodon back, uh, I, I think that's when they become more interesting. But, you know, sometimes teams skip a year. The Astros were were good a year before I thought they would be. And who knows, if Noah Mazzara breaks out, maybe <laughs> that 81-86 to 86 win projection of the White Sox do adds two starting pitchers uh, is enough for them to maybe take on or be a serious contender in the American League Central against Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Indians. But when the White Sox do make bigger additions, we hope to have Dan back on again to give us insight on how it impacts their projections for the 2020 season. But right now, Dan and Zips has the White Sox between 78 to 82 wins as currently built. You could follow Dan on Twitter. He's at DZaborski. And as always, read his excellent work on Fangraphs.com. Dan, as always, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. No, it's always a pleasure. We, we have fun. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.